Businesses with recurring revenue are growing nine times faster than the S&P 500 over the last five years. This shows the power of the subscription model. Hi, I'm Robert Sprogue. My guest today is Matt Darrow, VP and GM of product for Zora. Zora is one of the top subscription billing platforms serving clients like Zendesk, DocuSign, HBO, Ford, Time Inc., Zoom, Box, Dell, and hundreds of others. Zora has sophisticated monthly billing systems that increase revenue with better pricing models and international acceptance rates. Today we're going to discuss the most cutting-edge thinking at what is going on at the very forefront of the subscription economy. And Matt, it's, it's a real pleasure to have you on today's program. Thank you so much. Well, hey, likewise, Robert. We're really excited to, uh, to chat through this today. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you. So what, what is Zora, and why do you think that there's such a tremendous opportunity with this uh, subscription economy? So um, let's start with the subscription economy first. You know, we talk a lot about this at Zora, and it's really the fact that there's a once-in-a-century shift going on right now, which is consumers are looking for a completely different way to buy products and services. They want to own an outcome instead of paying for a, you know, a physical product and service. And you see this in your personal life um, when you're using you know, Netflix instead of buying DVDs or when you're using ForePass for transportation instead of buying a vehicle. You see this in your business life as well, with services like Salesforce.com and Okta in the B2B space to help you access your corporate technologies. And even the consumer space when I want to you know, access you know, music on demand or videos on demand. So for Zora, um, you know, we provide a software-as-a-service technology for companies to execute upon this new business model. And you mentioned a lot of the key clients up front as well, so think Box.com, think HBO, think Financial Times, but these companies are using Zora instead of traditional ERP systems like an SAP or an Oracle to drive their business model innovation, to launch new pricing and packaging models, to automate their complex billing and payments, and ultimately get the subscriber analytics they need to improve their business and win in this market. And it's a really big market. Analysts have estimated the size to be about $100 billion by 2020. Oh, my goodness. And, uh, so why do you think that consumers are so interested in the, the subscription model? I mean, Reader's Digest has been sending, you know, that, that, that company was founded in 1922. So this, this whole subscription thing has been around for a long time. Why all of a sudden the, uh, the, the, the accelerated growth? Yeah, and that's a, that's a good point. With a lot of the traditional media companies and print providers, they've been doing subscriptions for you know, 100 plus years. And a lot of the new entrants in the market that we see is all the software as a service or technology vendors or even traditional hardware manufacturing companies that are connecting their devices to the cloud and actually providing over-the-top services and access to any of their physical devices. So on a consumer standpoint, I think of something as simple as my Nest home thermostat at home. So I have my Nest camera, my Nest thermostat, but I can control this all. I can video record everything that's happening directly through a digital platform. And on a B2B side, you might look at a company as, um, that's been around historically like a Caterpillar tractor that traditionally makes physical machinery, but now they're going and offering connected devices, connected services. 
And the common thread between traditional publishers to the, you know, even the transformations that a company like a Caterpillar or a company like a Nest is going through is they're really focused on providing an outcome and providing choice to the customers. And, and that's the key difference is as a consumer, whether or not it's a business service or a consumer service, you know, I'm looking for an outcome. I'm not necessarily looking to just own a physical asset or a physical product. And uh, a, a nice example of this is even Ford Pass. So a traditional automobile manufacturer, you can now sign up and subscribe to Ford Pass, which is transportation as a service. So it's a whole network of vehicles, ride-sharing, bicycles that will get you from point A to point B. So instead of just going and buying a Ford vehicle, I can actually now subscribe to transportation. Um, Zoom, you know, teleconferencing and video is another great example in the B2B space where instead of just focusing on making sure that I can place a call or do a video recording, uh, they really focus on collaboration. So the outcome is how can I, you know, better work with my team that might be really disparate and, and diverse across the world. So I think that the key, the key, you know, reason for the growth and why subscription companies are growing nine times faster than the S&P 500 is that they're not only focused on delivering outcomes, but they're delivering services that continuously enhance their value over time. So any type of digital service that now you have access to, you expect on a monthly basis to get new features, to get new developments, and it's ultimately going to keep delivering value to you ongoing uh, outside of just the first purchase. Yeah, I mean, it's, you mentioned your thermostat, and I've got the, the Ring doorbell, and you know, <laughs> yeah. I've had the same doorbell for decades, and now all of a sudden I've replaced it with one that I can see video and, and uh, look at who's at my house uh, over the Internet anywhere in the world. And now there is an annual renewal in order to maintain that, that service. Um, you know, it, so it, 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 it's replacing all of these, you know, all these types, types of devices and services and things that we've taken for granted with much more useful tools that uh, provide a, a tremendous, you know, much higher level of, uh, of utility. And I, I absolutely love what you say about you know, focusing on the outcome rather than the product. Uh, you know, I talk all about you know, the transformation. How does the client change when they engage with your product? How do they feel about themselves? What are they able to accomplish because they have you? And, um, and that is absolutely the key to mm -hmm. making uh, subscriptions work uh, or really any business. So mm -hmm. I think that's smart that it's not only the subscription element, but also the focus on outcomes that is fueling the growth. Mm -hmm. And uh, Zora uh, published that uh, using your, your data and, and research, you created a subscription economy index that reveals that subscription companies are growing at a rate of nine times faster than the S&P 500. Um, you know, what, you know, what else, what, what, what is fueling all of this growth? Well, and, and when it comes to the index, one of the, you know, one of the, the things that, that, uh, that we, have the, we have the ability to take advantage of here at Zor is because we're, we're running such massive amounts of diverse businesses, transactions through the platform, we can actually look into that data to actually get some really great insights, such as the growth rate of these type of companies. So that index was, you know, based on, you know, benchmarks for clients over multi-year periods, all anonymous, of course, 
and allowed us to really correlate it against the S&P sales index as well as even the U.S. sales retail, uh, the retail sales index. Um, and that, that growth to me is, you know, it's, it's, it comes back to exactly what you mentioned around customers wanting to pay for that outcome of that service and that's where I see the growth really being driven from, where we'll, we'll work with very large established enterprises, manufacturing companies, large software companies, and their growth units within their business or their digital services and their subscription services because it more closely aligns with how customers want to buy, but it also aligns with the fact that they expect to now um, have services that are continuously going to add value on a month-to-month you know, every single week, every single month, every single quarter, I'm getting new features and new benefits as well. So I think that there's a part of the, um, when you're delivering digital services and subscription services, there's this element of ongoing value versus, I don't want to call it stagnation, but if I buy a traditional product, it is what it is, and I get my value out of it, and then I'll maybe buy the next one when a new version is released, where instead, it's a, it's, a, it's a much more compelling offer to sign up for a service that's going to deliver an outcome to me, and that service mm-hmm. is going to continuously get better and then ultimately start to personalize itself based on my user patterns and behaviors and really help me get the most out of it. That's awesome. And one of my favorite pages of the Azura Subscription Economy Index report revealed that at least half of the subscription growth comes from existing subscribers. That's while you know half is from new customers, and you know that's certainly an, an important element of growth. The other half comes from retention, mm-hmm. uh, and I know that you have coming up a you know your the the event of the subscription industry subscribed that Dora is is putting on. You know, how do you at Dora advise subscription companies to emphasize their focus on retention? as part of their growth matrix in addition to going out getting new customers. Because new customers is the exciting thing that, you know, is, is fun to invest a lot of money in. But, you know, retention and growth of your existing customers can be, you know, half your overall growth. Yeah, and and when you're thinking of or when you're running a subscription-based business model, I mean, churn is really um, – is, is really can cause the biggest challenge to that model because as, if you're not managing churn and you're not managing your customer retention, um, growth becomes, you know, you'll hit a wall very, very quickly because you could have the greatest sales and marketing team, the greatest acquisition team, but you'll, you'll kind of be spinning in place if you keep churning clients out the back after, you know, one month or one year when they use your service. And even if you look at studies from, you know, folks out in the marketplace like Pacific Crest, they do a lot of benchmarks and publications too, you know, growth is just faster and cheaper to existing customers by about 24%. So when you're trying to manage your growth, we talk to clients about two different things. The first is um, we talk a lot at Zora around growth efficiency, which is what is the cost to acquire a new customer. And a very simple model for this is if your growth efficiency is one, that means for every dollar I spend on sales, marketing, and customer success-related activities, I get a dollar of annual recurring revenue that comes from that. And that's really a benchmark that we you know, see a lot of our clients and folks in the industry try to drive toward, which is how do you make sure that you have your acquisition costs under control and you're actually trying to get to a very efficient model to bring customers on board. But as I mentioned before, you could have a very efficient onboarding process and acquisition process 
but your gross churn rates are kicking clients out the backside and you're never going to be able to recover. You're ultimately going to hit a wall. And, and we see this kind of being managed differently in B2B um, versus business to consumer. And you see a lot of you know, resurgence and talk around you know, customer success functions around business to business, which is you know, they're focused on retention and mitigating churn. I think one of the interesting trends that we've noticed is that business to consumer companies, right, they might not have a, a customer success function, but we've seen them starting to boot up things like SRM teams or subscription relationship management teams that have a very broad portfolio of tens of thousands of subscribers that they're out engaging marketing to digitally. And it's the notion that there's in, in every subscription business, there's normally a dedicated function and team whose sole responsibility is to nurture the ongoing customer relationship and keep them from churning. Um, I, I will say one of the things that I definitely have noticed is how you, how you reward, incentivize, and manage those business units becomes really important for the type of business outcome you can achieve. So for instance, if you have a, a CSM team or an SRM team um, who's really just focusing on gross churn prevention, so the, the thought here is I've got a thousand customers, so keep me at a thousand customers. Um, they're really focused on firefighting because they're not going to worry about the customers who aren't going to churn. They're going to be dealing with the ones who might be unhappy and try to keep that gross churn number in line. Um, and that's effective, right, because we want to manage churn. But what we see some of the higher performers doing is that they're really basing their metrics and their incentives on net retention rates. And, and net retention actually turns you from a firefighting subscription squad to more of a, a proactive squad, which is actually going back into the install base to not just prevent churn, but to actually drive expansion. And expansion can come through a variety of ways. It can come from upgrades, it can come from upsells, it can come from cross-sells, it can just be from having great advocates who are going to help expand your technology and further lower your cost of acquisition. But by focusing on a net retention number, which is, hey, my customers are paying me $1,000 of monthly recurring revenue today, so are they paying me $1,100 of monthly recurring revenue maybe next year so I have an increase of retention? And that's what I really want them to be driving towards versus just managing to an overall gross churn number. Uh, that's brilliant. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to subscription companies and they're frustrated about their churn rates and, you know, it's, you know, all right, how do you get clients? And they've got a whole marketing team and sales team. And then I ask, you know, who is responsible for retention? Mm -hmm. And the phone goes dead. They mm -hmm. don't, you know, they've got a sales team, but they mm -hmm. don't necessarily have a retention team. And I know that, uh, you know, through your, through your, with your, in particular with your clients over the last several years, you've been very focused on getting those teams uh, you know, going and also the focus on that the retention dollars yep. versus retention rate or mm -hmm. churn rate is is also a really a very brilliant insight um, and and change because you know it's it's easy if you are trying just to focus on percentages to lose sight of what really grows your company which is money and revenue. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, one of my favorite uh, retention strategies is to uh, upsell your customer. Is mm -hmm. to, you, you know, invite a new customer in order to, to, to reinvest, to upgrade uh, within the first few hours or days of the relationship. 
And what I find is that not only does that help retention of the customers who do choose to upgrade, but it also improves the, the retention and lifetime value of those that don't because they feel like they're getting a better deal. That mm-hmm. rather than that higher price, they're able to, you know, keep the price that they had and get the services that they that they are are getting. So, uh, yeah, that focusing on that value and that annual revenue, I think, is is a brilliant idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. When uh, when when most people think of subscriptions, it's really kind of this fixed monthly pricing, one fee. Uh, for the product, service, or what have you. But you've got a number of customers that, that use several other types of pricing models. How else, uh, working with Zora, can subscriptions price for their services? Yeah, and, and subscription is, is definitely, um, it has different meanings to different uh, people and companies, as you mentioned, where I think the most natural connotation of the word subscription is to think Netflix. I'm paying for something, it's $7 per month, and it, it, and it goes until I decide to cancel. And for us at Zora, subscription actually has a very different meaning. Where we think of subscription is, is the fact that a company has an ongoing customer relationship and the customer is known and they're sticky. And that's what subscription means to us. So when we think about the subscription economy and working with subscription companies, to us, Uber is a subscription company. You know, Amazon is a subscription company. Even though I might be buying books on Amazon or I might be taking rides on Uber, they have a known relationship with me that is sticky. And, and you see that the Amazon example is great because you contrast them with Walmart, who I would say is not a subscription business because you know, they, they don't know anything about me. They don't know my preferences. They don't know what I've purchased. They don't really have you know, the same type of um, you know, deep insight around my identity than an Amazon would. Um, and you see that in the marketplace with, you know, Amazon completely outperforming and, and doing really great things there. So because of that, you know, a lot of different pricing models are now at the fingertips of companies that are focused on maintaining a really sticky customer relationship over time. And the key is they're using these monetization models to nurture this relationship. And monthly recurring that's probably the simplest model out there to meet that demand and to meet that need. Um, I kind of see and I gravitate more towards there's really seven different varieties that I like to think about when coming up with a monetization model. The mm-hmm. first uh, lever that clients might use is, is different frequencies of actually billing their clients. And month to month is a you know, starting point, but you think large enterprises and they're doing annual-based contracts, multi-year contracted commitments, but being able to operate you know, a variety of choice allows the business to tune cash flow and actually have different price points for different commitment levels just by offering something as simple as monthly versus quarterly versus annual. Um, and then you've got the notion of being able to divide your products into upgrade packs, you know, add-on packs, um, being able to have price points that are tiered in nature so the more you use, the better your effective rate becomes. So it allows customers to get in the door and get started and actually get a better rate as they adopt more and more of the technology. Um, the natural progression from a tiered model then is a usage model, which is pure consumption. So clients that are strictly paying only for what they use on a pay-as-you-go model. Um, but you might have a committed usage model as well, where you pay up front for a 
um, a certain amount of volume or gigabytes or storage or transactions and you burn against that and you pay an overage at the end of it. Um, and then you want to price these things out internationally because the great thing about subscription and digital companies is that uh, you know, the barrier to international expansion is much lower, so you can actually get into very, very different markets probably a lot faster than you could by actually you know, pickpacking and shipping and distributing traditional products and services. That's smart. So uh, uh, billing frequencies, upgrade, uh, our tier pricing, usage model, uh, are there, did, you, did you go through the seven? Yeah, I had um, you know add-ons okay. as well, um, okay. internationalization of pricing, and actually the, the one that I had uh, left out there was promotional offers, which okay. become just as important for B2B as B2C, where this is your freemium, this is your 50% off for the first three months, this is your renew early for a 20% discount, this is your you know get uh, 12 months of your con 12 months of your contract for 15 months. So there's a lot of different strategies that you can use to incentivize the right behavior, whether or not it's conversion, expansion, or retention. And, and I'd, I'd rather, rather give them a more value uh, or you know, juice up the value or the features or the, uh, the usage than discount the price. I'm, I'm always about uh, trying to maintain that price integrity. Mm -hmm. uh, but yes, um, I, I think it's, it, it's always smart to, to, to give feedback folks uh, feeling that they're that they're getting a deal uh, but yeah I think that's that's, that's really awesome the, the 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 interesting thing is um, like, oh my gosh how would we uh, if I was going to have a usage model where or where or committed usage where somebody is buying it like for just for an instance if I was going to buy for Netflix then my subscription got me maybe uh, 10 hours of shows, but then if I watched more than that, I went over, you know, it, you know trying to bill for that could be mind-blowing. How, uh, how does Zora help company, subscription companies take care of that, that hassle? Yeah, our core SaaS platform and technology has six major engines that really provide the core services that these companies need to run these business models. And a billing, an event-driven billing and rating engine is one of those six engines. Um, another one of the six engines is actually the, the dynamic pricing engine, which allows you to have this really flexible catalog to set up models like usage, like recurring, like bundling, you know, like, you, like all the different dimensions that we, talk, that, we, that we spoke about. So clients can come in, they use Zora, they set up these really flexible monetization models, and there's a billing engine there that's going to be able to make sure that um, the client gets the right accurate invoice across any global currency in any global language. Awesome, awesome. So, uh, you know, one of the other features I love uh, about Zora are the analytics. Um, allow your clients to flag customers who are about to churn or identify those who might be ready for an upsell or cross-sell opportunity. What are sorts of the what are the things that you're measuring and reporting on uh, for? for your, the subscription programs that you work with? So the metrics engine is um, one of the six core components of the platform as well, and that's core to, the, core to the product and service. And some of the metrics in there are a lot of the non-GAAP financial metrics with subscription companies are really depending on nowadays, and you even start to see them disclosing this in their S1s, and they're talking to the street about them. And this isn't your traditional 
P&L or your traditional gap metrics around um, just accounts receivable. This is metrics like monthly recurring revenue, annual contract value, churn rate, net retention, right? all of those key non-GAAP metrics which are the governors of subscription businesses, um, that's, that's really the baseline that, uh, that, that customers start to get. Um, and then on top of that, we allow clients to start to blend in information on how their customers actually engage with and use their service that allow us to derive a whole set of behavioral metrics. So these are things like usage intensity um, and persona. So these are algorithms that we've baked into the platform that as we see subscribers and their financial data combined with how they use a company's product and service, we can derive these really interesting behavioral metrics. And that ultimately leads us into predictive indicators where if you have a great grasp on your customer financials, when they started, what's their lifetime value, what's their monthly recurring revenue rates, and you can start to combine that with their usage patterns, you can start to do some really clever things around identifying a score that's going to quantify a probability of churn or even a level of engagement with the service, which is a proxy for how likely are they to renew. And that's really what we see some of the most advanced and the best customers doing to go ahead and actually get ahead of churn and to help them with their retention rates is not just understand my, my metrics around what's happening in the business today, but also being able to say what is likely to happen in this business. And it's not always what you'd expect. So one of my, actually, one of the favorite client stories of someone that I've been working closely with, um, large media company that does a lot of streaming video, you know, as they were rolling out their predictive scores that drive their engagement campaigns, they had the natural gut feel and correlation that, hey, if you watch more videos, you're probably a sticky customer, and I should try to go ahead and upsell you. And through the predictive models and by understanding the past behaviors and what the financial outcomes were, we actually found out that it was the exact opposite. And what was happening was clients that were watching a lot of videos, they were binge watching right before they decided to cancel. So their whole marketing strategy changed where they actually needed to give those, those customers a lower price point at just the right time to keep their subscription extended so they found the right amount of value and got them on the right price point. And, and get them to engage in the product yep. so that, that rather than this, this uh, sw uh, swipe and, and, and leave sort of uh, you know, this grab and dash sort of attitude, they were, they were really becoming part of the community and where they appreciated the, the product. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you how many times I'll, I'll talk to a, a, you know, a, a subscription company and maybe you know, when, uh, when, when you know, somebody doesn't log in using their user ID and password for you know 30, 60, or 90 days, you know what sort of communication does that kick off, or you know how do you approach that? And the line goes dead. They have they're, <laughs> they're, they're not you know just the very basics of whether or not somebody logged in is mm -hmm. not something that they're even tracking or monitoring, and that could be you know somebody isn't logging in for some period of time, it can tell us that they're not engaged in the product and, uh, and it's something that, that we need to, to work on and uh, you know, get them engaged and, and as a user. Um, you know, so, many, so many clients also, if they're, they're are, they could very well be afraid that if they reach out to their client that, uh, oh, you know, they're going to remind them about the subscription and want to cancel. 
what do you see with your Zora clients that are kind of best practices in order to get your customers engaged in using the, the products and services that they're, that they're buying? Well, I, um, you know, your, your story hits home for me in terms of, you know, it's surprising even the lack of companies that, that you know, aren't even monitoring, you know, logins or specific parts of their application on an ongoing or rigorous basis. And, and I think it seems obvious to a business-to-consumer company, like a digital business, um, those companies are really, you know, they're pretty good about doing that. Um, but it's still not that prevalent in the business-to-business space. And, and I think how you really see the engagement increase, and if you're a B2B company, it starts with tracking product usage. And there's an explosion of companies in this space that help clients do that, from the mixed panels and segments to the walk knees of the world. Um, at Zora, we even provide our own beacon that customers can use to embed in their technology that streams event data to us. Um, but you can't increase engagement if you fundamentally don't understand how your customers are using the service, backed by actual real data. And I think that's a, that's a big thing that we drive you know, our customers to really think about how they're going to instrument their technology and then combine that with the financial outcomes so they can put the, you know, really connect the dots on what actually creates retention and what creates expansion. And um, so, so the, the first step is monitoring and, and watching and, uh, and, and using that data to try to, 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 to learn and, and what, to figure out what predicts which type of behavior. Correct, and, I, the, and the, the, the important piece is once you start monitoring the activity, you need to correlate that with the financial outcome because you might be optimizing your product and service for a segment of the market that you're really not even trying to go after or attack. So if you can understand what are, the, what are the product actions and activities that your highest recurring revenue clients are driving or your highest net retention rate clients are driving, or conversely, what were the activities that your churn customers are actually going through? This is how you can really start to tune your product and service and actually tune your sales and marketing motions to um, just engage with your customers and actually have them you know, value the service a lot, uh, a lot more uh, strongly. Uh, I, my goodness, I couldn't agree more. You, you see uh, folks trying to optimize uh, activities without correlating those activities to the financial impact. And, uh, and, and, and there are, in any business, there are a whole lot of very lower value clients mm-hmm. that could easily sway the yep. results if you're not paying attention to how much in different clients invest. And by being laser focused on the high value clients, you're going to make much better decisions that are going to grow the, the, the most valuable part of your business rather than uh, trying to cater to you know, what may be kind of like the, quote, the lowest common denominator uh, of people who aren't of a lot of value to you. Um, that, you know, how have, you, have you seen any examples where maybe a client has gone down the road of optimizing, but then they only to figure out later that they were optimizing for the wrong type of cu- customer? Um. So I haven't personally worked with an account that's had to make a hard pivot like that. I think the scenario I, I frequently run into is you get clients that, that 
first, they're not really monitoring their product activity and data, and then they do start to monitor the activity and the data. And, and once they make that leap, um, by treating everything the same, then you get kind of fooled by that long tail of all the different users that might not be your highest value targets and customer set. So, so I think that's a, your, your point was incredibly valid there, which is you need to really understand once you start monitoring and, and understanding the metrics, um, if you can't cut that by customer segment, it's still, you know, it's not going to be, it's not going to provide you the value um, that, uh, that you're hoping for because you're going to get fooled by the data. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I, I know that coming up, uh, you, uh, Zora is putting on the subscribed event, which is an annual event, really the go-to place for the subscription economy. Uh, what, are, you know, what will what folks find and discover when they attend the subscribed? So we focus on subscribe being an industry event. So even though Zora puts it on, I think the first thing that folks will notice that actually attend the event is, is it's not really Zora-centric or Zora-specific, where, where there's, a lot of, um, there's a lot of sessions and breakouts around topics in the subscription economy. So everything from what is the best way to monetize your product and optimize pricing and packaging, to how should you be measuring and managing the business from a CFO or a financial point of view? Um, what are some of the keys to you know, marketing and engagement? And ultimately, we'll have a subscription showcase as well that's going to have a lot of the forward-thinking companies in the subscription space actually you know, be able to present their technologies and what they've been able to do and how they go to market. And it's really, we see it as an event for anybody in the subscription space to come and to learn. Um, and we're going to have some great keynote speakers as well. So Tom Kelly is the founding partner of IDEO, um, Andy Mooney, who's the CEO of Fender, uh, Jamie Allison, she's the director of MSNS Global Mobility for Ford. Um, and there's a lot of really great companies across multiple different verticals that will be there speaking as well. And uh, the dates are coming up. Yeah, that's right. It's, um, it's right around the corner here in June 5th to the 7th, and it's going to be at the Marriott in San Francisco. And uh, where can folks go if, uh, to, to get more information about speakers and the registration details? So we publish that right on our homepage at Zora.com. And by going to Zora.com slash subscribe, there's all the details that uh, customers need and anybody that wants to attend the event. And so that is uh, Zora.com, which is D-U-O-R-A.com, and then slash subscribe, which is straight to the the subscribed event, but uh, Zora.com is, is certainly the site that you want to check out. And also, uh, you grab a copy of that uh, subscription economy index because uh, we just talked about a couple of pages of it, uh, but uh, there are several pages of insightful information, including churn rates and different you know, niches of the subscription I- I- industry. And every, it's, a, I mean, it's a tremendous, tremendous tool. Now, and Zora is one of the few places where I've heard about moving customers along the upsell path by getting customers better engaged with your subscription. What do you mean by this, and you know, how can this impact subscription revenue growth? Sure. Um, so, so when we talk about moving along the upsell path, I think a lot about pricing and packaging. And, and being able to design your 
not only how you package, but which one of those seven monetization levers that we spoke about earlier, you know, being able to choose these wisely and package them together to get the right customer journey, and then most importantly, not to sacrifice future recurring revenue um, just to get a new customer in the door. So I think it's 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 very um, you know it's very natural or easy for a for for a company to um, you know put the whole solution out there, get a customer in the door, and then you know you're not really able to effectively monetize them and. To be able to design for growth, um, there's a couple different levers that we see clients use a lot. And the first is um, through a value metric. And a value metric to me is something variable. And this is normally usage or consumption related. And this is normally the first thing that you want to design for. So um, this could be transactional volume. This could be storage. This could be API calls. And there's clients of ours across many different industries that do this very effectively that once you're a customer, the more you use, then the more that you, know, you grow with the vendor that you're subscribing with. Um, and that's just a very, very natural um, growth lever, and it's a great one because it's a win-win. The customer is getting more value, you're getting additional recurring revenue. Now, um, and, and most of the yeah. folks uh, listening to this particular discussion are more in publishing, and I know that you've got quite a few publishing clients. Um, how do you see them using this upsell path? So for, uh, so for those style of clients, I would, I would probably gravitate more toward a second lever around designing growth through feature gating. And, and here's where you see um, a progression that's based on either access to premium content, access to additional features. Um, and you see video providers do this where if you want to see it in 4K, you have to pay more. Uh, you see news outlets provide this where if you want access to the premium content, you have to pay more. And they all have step-up models. There's free, there's a middle ground, and then there's you know, special access, special content, you know, special resolution that you could actually get advantage of. Nice. Anybody that you see that does a really good job of, uh, of, of, of move in particular of, of making those offers in a way that, that, that clients enjoy? Uh, that seems to just be a rock star in terms of you know, uh, increasing their customer subscriber value? You know, I think uh, when I think about publishing, The Economist and The Times mm -hmm. really come to mind for me as two of the really great media outlets that have done a really great job doing this, where there's traditional print publications that they've always had, then they move to you know, digital services, then there's print and digital bundles. So there's a myriad of different methodologies that they use to allow people to have access to you know, just the paper or just the print, just the digital, some combination there in between, but then they'll actually give access for you know, different periods of time with different levels of content. And if you go to either of their websites, and you know, the Times or the Economist, um, you can actually experience this in their pricing and packaging today. Um, and actually how they go and, and actually uh, come up with these different ways that you can grow with them. That's, that's awesome. Well, great, great recommendation. Mm -hmm. So what are the differences of subscription companies versus normal businesses in their core functions like finance, sales, marketing, uh, the content creators or programmers, and leadership? How does all that change when you start uh, embracing a subscription model versus transactional model? Yeah, I think the, the highest level difference is 
traditional businesses are really focused on building a product and distributing that product across a variety of different channels. And, and that's really the end goal is how do I improve my margins on the cost of production, how do I develop a hit product, and how do I distribute it and get it in stores and get it in people's hands. Now, since we talked about the definition of subscription really being a sticky ongoing customer relationship, you see subscription companies, instead of thinking about a product that just gets distributed, they're really thinking about customer journeys and how their service will create a customer journey. And that's what changes every single department because now every single department needs to revolve around a shared understanding of the subscriber versus just operating in a silo and, and doing a function to actually go and, and send a product to the marketplace. So for finance, that means an, an entirely different set of metrics that they're worried about. They're worried about annual recurring revenue, net retention, churn rates, a lot of the things that we spoke about. Um, you know, marketing is concerned about creating customer journeys, customer stories, customer upgrade paths through freemium content, freemium to paid content, engaging them with marketing offers at just the right time as they're engaging with content at just the right moment. Um, and the same thing happens for you know, sales individuals, which is you know, a lot of the sales, sales teams are, are really pushed where 20-30% of their revenue is coming from expansion into their account set. So it's a bigger focus on closing accounts and then going back into the base, driving adoption and driving cross-sell and upsells. That's that's awesome, I, and uh, and I I couldn't agree more that it, you know, the the real focus of the of subscription and membership is all about that member experience, member path, member journey, however you want to say it. Uh, I often talk about the member transformation, uh, what the you know how the member other life and their experience changes uh, as a result of of being a you know, a subscriber. And, and often how what well, we need to provide them changes because you know what they what what they came in for is often not what they stay for after they've uh, become a a new member. When uh, somebody's interested in getting more information about Zora and and using your 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 payment processing platform and and what it does, how can they go go about getting information? So. We do a mix of things. The easiest place is just directly on the website at Zora.com. And at Zora.com, you'll find a bunch of different resources that talk about our product and technology. Um, there's actually even a link to uh, Test Drive, which actually allows people to get their hands on the technology as well. So as a software as a service company, we really product first, and we want people to experience and engage with our technology, and you can do that right from the website. Uh, and then we have a whole host of community and academy resources on things that we've seen in the industry and best practices, which ultimately culminate in the events that we run around the world, subscribe being our marquee event in San Francisco in June. Nice. And uh, so that's at Zora.com, Z-U-O-R-A.com. I encourage you to absolutely check that out because uh, you'll learn so much about your own business and what, uh, what, you, what you can do uh, when you check out Zora, and, and uh, who knows, it, it could be a, a great match for you, um, especially if you have international, because uh, there's a, a whole host of problems that we haven't even talked about mm -hmm. that Zora solves when you start looking at the international jurisdictions. Um, what is the, 
biggest mistake that uh, companies make that uh, really stunt their growth and prevent them from succeeding that you've seen? So, and and after being at Zora for for a lot of years now, I mean, I've I've been able to work with a lot of companies in different verticals, and there actually is a common thread to this to this question. And and I would say, a natural reaction for a lot of subscription companies is, we have one go to market, and we want to keep pricing simple. And mm-hmm. and I think that that's that's born and bred from from you know your experience with companies like a Netflix or companies like um, even a Salesforce that just has per seat pricing per year. Your B two C and your B two B big heavy subscription companies. And and what we see the fastest growing companies doing is that they're actually embracing multiple growth strategies all at the same time. And they also tend to choose price plans that aren't really simple, right? Because they want a variety of choices to hit all elements of their demand curve where even someone as simple as Netflix is doing this now. They've got multiple different plans. They've got different pricing if you want 4K content, right? Even, even a company that started out very traditional, very simple, is understanding, you know, the, this need to change this way. And, and operating the multiple growth strategies at the same time, um, that's what's going to unlock the growth. And by, what I mean by this is, you know, part of that is your price points, so having different monetization models to capture different, uh, um, you know, demographic sets. But then also selling through different motions, self-service versus assisted versus partner sales, um, selling to different segments, um, you know, commercial segments versus enterprise segments, and then also rolling it out internationally uh, probably faster than you would expect. And that was a big area for Zora's growth where we expanded to EMEA, APJ, um, and very, very quickly, and uh, those markets have now become some of our you know, biggest growth drivers as well. Um, because those barriers really aren't there for a digital company to be able to, you know, reach these different markets. So I would say, you know, simple pricing, um, you, you, you need to move away from that. You really come up with models that are tailored to meet the needs of the different segments you're going after. And you've got to run multiple growth strategies all at the same time. And that's really why companies come to us to put in Zora as a platform as we unlock that ability. That's, that, Matt, that's, that's fabulous because... Um, you know, I absolutely see, you know, folks come out with a particular price or with a particular deliverable, and that may be very good for a segment of who they can serve. And coming out with other options, uh, really, you know, but they being able to kind of cafeteria the subscription model where uh, customers can choose what they're what they're looking for. Uh, I think is, is, a, is a great idea when you've got the technology platform mm-hmm. that allows you to do that. And certainly, Zora is, is unlocks that for you. So I, I encourage everybody to uh, check out Zora.com, Z-U-O-R-A.com. You're definitely going to want to look at the uh, subscription economy index. Uh, go ahead and download that. You're going to want to check out the subscribed event. And then also, you know, give the Zora a test drive and uh, look at the the, the engines and, and what it can do for your subscription business. Matt, thank you so much for for, the, for this program today because uh, I, I, I it was really eye opening, understanding the uh, the different billing types, uh, knowing the, uh, the 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 upgrade path, 
the way subscriptions are different and focusing on the, uh, the customer journey. And also the, the whole idea of outcomes versus selling a, a product, uh, selling an outcome and, and get, having the customer achieve something in their life versus just acquiring some device or tool. I think it's a, a very, very big difference mindset and uh, obviously something that uh, customers are, are readily embracing. So thank you so much, Matt. Well, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks for having me.